This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast, Episode 60. Hey, podcast listeners, welcome back to the show. I am so happy that you decided to return. And if you are a new listener, welcome. Welcome to the party. I am thrilled that you are checking this out. And if you love what you hear, just know there's loads more. There's loads more to listen to. So check out some of the past shows that I've done and bask in the wisdom of the guests that show up. I'm so lucky that I get to have these powerful forwarding conversations with some of my favorite human beings on the planet. So cool. Speaking of which, this week, today, you are going to hear a conversation that I had with Sandra Blackard about whining because what parent doesn't love whining? (laughs) Well, None of us love whining. It's super annoying. And every time I do a parenting class, we make a list of the challenges that show up every day. And guess what? I have yet to run a class where whining does not show up on the list. So if you're sitting there nodding your head like, yeah, how do I get rid of the whining? You are in luck because this is what Sandy and I are going to talk about ahead in the show. So uh, find a comfy place to sit or tackle that sink full of dishes or fold some laundry or take a walk and put your earbuds in and enjoy the wisdom that you will hear from Sandra. And let me just tell you who she is. She is a parent coach and she is the creator, the founder of Language of Listening, which teaches life coaching skills to parents and teachers so that they can life coach their children, which is so powerful, such a powerful way of being in relationship and helping our kids realize that the answers that they need are already alive inside of them. Woohoo! She has three simple steps for bringing out the greatness in kids, and she's going to talk about those steps on the show. So enjoy, 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 and let me know what you think. Let me know your feedback. And let's meet Sandra. Hi there, Sandy. Welcome to the Joyful Courage podcast. 
Well, hello, Casey. Thank you very much for inviting me. Well, I'm so glad that you're here. Will you please tell listeners a little bit about your family and your journey to doing what you do? Oh, I would be happy to. Um, I've got two daughters um, and a wonderful husband. Um, My oldest is 29 and the youngest is 27. They're 18 months apart. So I had that wonderful parenting experience. Um, And the oldest one now is, is just so that you know, you know, your kids can make it and they can go out on their own and it really can work, right? Um, The oldest one of mine is in New York and, and she's an emerging artist. And the younger one is in a PhD program studying positive developmental psychology. Oh, so, you know, wow. we did it. You know, it's, it's a yeah. really wonderful to see that everything that you believe that, that, uh, that will work out does, you know. So it just, it works out. It's a good message to send. Good, good. Well, tell us a little bit about what it is that you do out in the okay. world. All right. Well, um, and to let you know uh, where... Where what I do came from, I think, is important here. Um, when my oldest was, she was about four and a half, there was this sudden meltdown. And what really had occurred, of course, in hindsight, I know so much more. But what had really occurred was that I had missed all of the signs of her feeling displaced by the younger sister, right? So, I mean, just it just seemed like life to me, and I was just doing what I did. I was like, you know, other parents, I read a little bit of what was available at the time. And, you know, and I thought I was doing pretty good, and then there was this huge meltdown. And it, it really threw me because she was a kid who had been out in the world and was able to take little classes here and there by four and a half. And uh, suddenly she became incredibly clingy and hysterical if she had to leave my side. And I had, geez, you know, what was that? And it just came from this little argument at a preschool that she had with a child. But the bottom line was she she wasn't heard and believed. So she lost like all confidence. It was crazy. And so my journey started there when I was frantic, starting to look around for like, what do I do? And thank goodness I was up in the Dallas area and met a world-renowned play therapist, Dr. Gary Landreth. Mm -hmm. And he's the founder of the Center for Play Therapy at the University of North Texas in Denton. And at the time he was holding classes. And I mean, I thought it was a class, I think, Actually, it was probably a therapeutic experience, but for for parents um, who wanted to learn um, how to do what play therapists did and become the therapeutic agent for their own child. Mm. So what I it was just an incredible gift. I was able to work with him directly, and over a ten week period of learning these skills and learning how to use them uh, by doing them, it was like immersion in these little play times that we would set up thirty minutes once a week. Now, mind you, this is early '90s, you know, so this is really revolutionary stuff at the time. Back in the old days, like my kids would say. (laughs) And it is the old days. I'm I'm grandmother generation. I have a different perspective, but it all holds true today. And I've been so excited to watch everything that I learned coming out as the normal way to approach parenting now. It's it's in everything that you say and the others I respect. So I I love the shift that's occurred. Um, But at the time, it was incredibly revolutionary. I'd never seen or heard anything like it. Over this 10-week period, my daughter, you know, by me just playing with her, which is how it looked, um, of course, it's more than that. Um, she was able to move from clingy to completely independent and skip mm-hmm. off to kindergarten and wave at the door. You know, it was like, wow, you know. And uh, to me, it was this moment of the huge enlightenment of, my, you know, my gosh, like, why doesn't every parent know this? Why do you have to wait until your child has a meltdown to get these fantastic skills, right? And um, it was kind of a complicated process to learn them. But, you know, I was determined to get these to everybody that I knew, you know. Mm-hmm. So immediately just, I mean, out of nowhere, I just started sharing this 
And then I thought, well, you know, I could probably like, like lead a group of people in this. So I sat down and I like wrote up this manual based on what I had learned, thinking that it was, was like just play therapy, like any, like just a field, you know, like mm-hmm. you could teach math or whatever. Well, it turns out it was, um, was very specific to Dr. Landreth. And I had virtually reproduced his work mm-hmm. in a training manual. And mm-hmm. he had never seen that before. He didn't even know it could be put into that format. So we began to work together. And by 2006, um, I was part of the four-person team with these three other doctors of psychology um, who published the Child-Parent Relationship Therapy Treatment Manual that's used worldwide today still for training parents in the skills that he taught me to use, the play therapy skills. Oh, and it was totally awesome that I got to be part of that. Well, and along the way, of course, by explaining things, and as you probably learn as well, you come up with your own ways of presenting it, right? Sure. And, and because I was a parent and I was, you know, right in the trenches and trying to use this and explaining it to people, it just was too complicated. You know, I just, I'm not a therapist. I didn't have that background, but it was just the what to do that made such a difference for me that it, it all like, I guess it's just the way that I think, but I was able to boil it down into three steps. Mm-hmm. And it's shocking that these are the core of, of truly like life coaching. That's really what this is. So you can help your child move from wherever they are to the next place that they want to be to the place they want to be in life um, it helps you bring out their greatness and it helps helps you keep everything possible you know like no shutdowns no you can't do this is in there there's there's no's that's not what that's about but the belief that anything's possible mm-hmm. is just embodied in these three steps and they are completely based on Dr. Landris work but they're nothing like it when you mm-hmm. when you take at it right so it became this unique thing that I was able to put out and I published this book and I wrote it up in 2005 and just put it online in 2007 because I was having a hard time explaining it without teaching it you know because mm-hmm. it was so foreign to everybody even by 2007 and there were some other other great um, parenting gurus out there um, but this really has turned out to be to this day people tell me it's still the simplest version of it they have ever seen right so I think that's to its credit and um and that I, what I learned was that if you just do it, you don't even really need to understand the principles behind it. For me, I like that. Mm-hmm. But anybody who does this because they are so firmly grounded in transformational principles, if you just do it, everything shifts. You know, wow. and, and as I say, early on, I thought it was parenting that I was training. But, but if you look at, I mean, I'm afraid people still have... Um, have an association with parenting that is very much tied to uh, the behaviorist. It's about managing children's behavior, right? And if you think that's what your job is, this is going to feel really foreign, right? Because that's not what this is. And I know that's you don't teach it either. You don't you don't teach behaviorism. You teach the relationship. And Dr. Yeah. Landris' work is called the art of the relationship. No surprise, right? Yeah. So that's where I come from, and my whole grounding goes back to the play therapy things that I was taught. And, and so what, what occurred to me was like, man, these are coaching skills. That's what this is. It takes you out of the parenting room. Don't even think about that. Yeah. Like, this is coaching. This is exactly what it is. And it's why you can get these transformational results when you learn how to be with your child, right? First step of connection, you listen, you're with them, you say back what they're saying, you describe what they're doing. It's a very physical process. I call it saying what you see, mm-hmm. which, which is, a, it turned out to be a great name for it because if you can see something, you're grounded in the physical reality. 
Right. And that's the step of getting present. If you can get out of your head into the moment, into the physical reality, that's the same for you and the child, if you can be objective about that description. And it, it diffuses you, and it, it helps the child feel like, oh, they're trying to understand me. And from this middle ground, like from, from your perspective, it's very different than the child's perspective. They oh, yeah. Yeah. See, yeah. they don't think like we do, and you know with the two kids. You well, know, and but, I think I'm going to just stop you right there because I think sure. that's so mm-hmm. important. I mean, I, I believe, I believe that like our thought process has everything to do with the experiences and the relationships that we've accrued through our life. So it makes perfect sense that me at 42, I'm going to have a much different perspective than my four-year-old who has four years of life experience or my 10-year-old or my 13-year-old. And, and so that, I think that can't be stated enough. Like they just, and and not to take that and make the assumption that because you have a certain perspective, it's somehow better than what's happening for your child, right? Yes, or, or it's the only way. Right. That's where we yeah. get trapped. The, the way that we see the world is so invisible to us sometimes. We think that's just how it is. Sure. You know? Yeah. So there, there's that growth to get back from that point of how things occur into recognizing them as beliefs there's the awareness that I know that you focus on a lot in your work that I've heard and it's it's very very important well turns out that this very first step of these three steps that I I use say what you see puts that in action Mm -hmm. like if you describe what you see you are not coming from your perspective you are becoming neutral about it and and to go from your perspective to the child's is so hard but to go from your perspective to this neutral ground and stay there a minute and be present with what's going on just in this neutral way it takes the emotion out of it for you it connects you with the child and then bam all of a sudden you can see the child's perspective yeah so it's it's a remarkable intermediary step and for me it was the thing I think that changed everything Mm -hmm. and it's also the thing that when you dwell in that and you use this over and over you retrain the way that you see the world and that's what occurred to me so that I became able to see things objectively and step into the child's perspective very very quickly and that's what I do now I'm able to represent that for parents in my coaching I can go straight to the child's perspective and tell you exactly what's going on from that that side and how it makes sense and how that fits with how your child would think and perceive that moment Mm -hmm. you know and that's a really important step and hard to do if you're over here locked in your own view as the parent right right? your emotion and your right yeah and on top of that, sure that your child, they won't survive if they don't see it your way, right, right? Right, Yeah, that's what we believe. You know, those ones that we're most blind to are our survival, the things we adapted to to survive. Yeah. And we're just sure that's how it is. So it's, this is a, a completely transformational pro, uh, process just by using it. Yeah. And then, of course, it doesn't stop there. When you actually meet and understand where the child's coming from, I have two other directions to go. And these will sound familiar to you. Um, and to me, I, I put it in this little formula where it's really easy because it had to be easy for me to do. It had to be easy to remember. Mm-hmm. One step, one thing to always do, say what you see, just say what you see, just do it, get out of your head, just say what you see, would ground me very quickly. And then from there, I would just look for, well, you know, do I like this or don't I like this? Which is also a skill that parents need to have honed. You know, we're not very good at recognizing our own preferences um, because I think a lot of us have been trained out of it so that, that we're trying to please other people or whatever. You know, we lose track of what's okay with us and what's not. So my, my system moves from say what you see, connect with the child, and then if they're doing something you like, you point that out. You know, name that strength so that they can then identify with that part of them. 
Mm-hmm. And that's that's how you bring up the greatness. You see what they do and then bring that out. And it, it can be anything from, you know, you just you you just tidied up your room and look, you're smiling. So it has mm-hmm. to come from a fact. It's not something I'm teaching from the outside. It comes from an observation. I can say, wow, you like things neat. You like things tidy. You know, like you're kind of kid who likes things tidy. Mm-hmm. Whoa. You know, and it came from the child. You can feel the yeah. difference. Whether than me going in and saying, well, now, don't you like it tidy now? Like, isn't this yeah. nice? You know, it doesn't, yeah, so- you know, I, I love that. And, and just from the positive discipline perspective, it sounds a lot like how we facilitate encouragement versus praise. And when we talk about encouragement, like one level of encouragement is simply saying what you see. What do you notice? And it might be like, oh, the towel is hanging up. Or it might be the towels on the floor. But either way, you deliver the information without any kind of judgment. And then, and and when we talk about, and I work with teachers um, too, and I do some trainings with people who work with kids exposed to trauma, and that evidence piece that you just stated around, hey, I saw you doing this. I saw you shooting hoops. You missed many, many times and you kept at it. There it is. Until you got the, until the ball went in the basket. And that takes so much perseverance. There it is. Right. And it's the helping the kids to see like, Oh, Mm -hmm. I have Mm -hmm. perseverance or wow. You stood up to that kid on the playground who wasn't being very nice to that other child. That was really courageous. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they get to recognize instead of saying you're so courageous, right. Or you're so smart or you're so this, they get to recognize that it lives inside of them. So I love this. I love this. Yes. I love it. It's, it's the same, you know, and I would call it acknowledgement versus praise. And and by the way, I, I heard your interview with uh, Tracy Cutchlow, mm-hmm. author of Zero to Five. Right. I was involved with her revision. So the second edition is loaded with language of listening. Yeah. I and and, and we talked about acknowledgement versus praise, which right. is the same kind of thing. It's 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 proof based. Right. And that, that's really important because I, I think I'd like to make that point that that huge difference between, you know, one of them, a really easy way to, to distinguish between the way adults think and the way children thinks comes from the way children think is it comes from their their experience of life as physical beings everything with children is very experiential and very concrete they don't have that capacity for the the abstract conceptual thought that they'll get later on it'll start coming on towards the adolescence but but early on i mean it you are talking to a very literal very physical being mm-hmm. this is what they know and this is what they should be involved with right now so as you say like the evidence based like say what you see is always proof mm-hmm. like describing it is that's the proof this is what it is and that shows this about you you know and so you by anchoring this concept of, you know, courageous or those other, you know, wonderful things. I mean, children have all possible human strengths already, you know, for us to, to bring the, that our job is to bring them out, mm-hmm. not to try to shove them in. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, we watch for that. them. Exactly. Watch for them or create opportunities for them to arise. And then we're able to, to give that proof, say what you see and name that strength. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that is it. And so that's when you see something you like, here it is, say what you see, just, just say what you see. That's always the thing to do. It's always right. You know, then when you see something you like, go ahead and name the strength. If you see something you don't like, my approach is to offer a can-do, right? Now, that's mm-hmm. not for an either because that's an alternative, a different way for the child to meet their needs. And and so you're, you're going one way or the other constantly in your interactions with children. And again, say what you see starts with listening. That's why my, my 
my work is called language of listening. So that's the core of it. So when you're listening, everything is coming from the child to you. The more you can clear out your, you know, thoughts and, and uh, you know, expectations, the better. The more yeah. blank you can be when you sit down with the child and allow these things to arise, the more present you are, the more magnificence of that child shows up. It's, yeah. it, it's a stunning experience to be with children when you're able to master these basic skills. It's just something else. And I had a little story that I like to share if I have just a couple seconds for of course, that. Of course. Okay, that. It's an incredible example of this. And again, the, these aren't like brand new steps for people these days, but integrating them this way around this central see something you like or see something you don't like, it gives you a really quick way to decide what to do next. So in, in this scenario, um, in, you know, I've taught teachers as well and I've, I've worked in preschool settings as a volunteer and other things and I was with these kids that were four and five years old and I was in there for about an hour and and there was an attached bathroom which is important in this story to this room so this little girl comes up to me you know taps me on the shoulder and and asked to go into the bathroom and she said can I go to the bathroom and I said sure you know and I opened the door and unlocked it and let her go in there and I hear the sink running but I never heard the flush right so she comes out and I just describe you know I just say what I see and I said you know I, I didn't hear a flush and there's no accusation in that mm -hmm. there's just again that objective comment which is so wonderful for kids usually well this child oh my golly you're talking about guilt she froze she went white her hand went behind her back and I'm like wait a minute you know what was that about right whoa and so I, I kind of looked over her head and, and here we go right I can start with saying what you see and I said, oh, you know, I see you have a teapot that's full of water. Okay, right. So you can put it together. I heard the water running. That was what it was about. And clearly she didn't think that was okay. She thought she was breaking the rules. Right. So the second she came out, she's in this guilty mode and thought she was caught. Well, of course, language of listening is not the kind of, of thing where I'm going to get in there and try to teach her a new kind of behavior and that that wasn't a good thing to do. What I look at is, is like, how do I get on her side about this? Because I want to bring out the greatness in her. And here she thinks she's a rule breaker, right? Mm -hmm. I know that's not true. You know, that's not, that's not a proper way to look at her. She's, she's great. So how can I bring that out in her in this moment? Well, I'm not having all those thoughts. All I'm doing is really just using the, the little model. And so I said what I saw, you know, I see you got water in, you know, there's water in this teapot. And then it, when you describe, you've probably had that experience, you describe something, again, the child's perspective pops out. And I'm like, oh, you want to play with water. That's what it is. You want to play with water. Mm -hmm. Now we're connecting, right? Mm -hmm. totally. On that deeper, deeper heart level. It's like, you want to play with water. Oh, and now I'm still on her side with the can-dos, but I get down and I'm looking around with her, you know, I'm going, my gosh, you know, I don't see any place in this room you can play with water. Hmm. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God. Spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well-being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 
35 different meal choices and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. Hey, so I'm so excited. I want to share with you about one of our new sponsors, Starglow Media. They have this amazing show for all of you with younger kids called Mysteries About True Histories. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers and on adventures through time packed with puzzles and hidden equations, histories, and laughs. You all know Alana, our co-founder at Sproutable. She listened to the show with her seven-year-old and loved it. They would pause the show and try to figure out the math problems together, loved learning about different cultures and the histories around the world. The series explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code breaking, pattern solving, and so much more. Math is geared Math is what they call it. Math is geared towards kids six and over, but can be enjoyed by the entire family. Episodes drop every Thursday, and they're about 15 minutes, perfect length for the car rides, mealtime, break time, bedtime. Each episode is stacked with so much laughter, and your kiddos won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories math with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. So there's a say what you see kind of description statement of just what is. Hmm, you know, and you want to play with water. Hmm, must be something you can do. That's my general can do. Must be something you can do. Yeah, I love that. She has never heard this before. And so she's standing there stunned going, uh, you know, like, you know what? And I looked again. I said, well, you know, you you want to play with water. You could do that back in the sink in the bathroom. And I'll let you know if somebody wants to go in, you know. And so she kind of just staggered off and went in there and stood a minute and then just dumped the water. You know, I said, well, okay, she didn't want to play with water in more than something else that was up to her to decide so she just dumped it and came back out and then she went over to the little kitchen and a couple seconds later here she comes with this little pretend cup of tea that she offers me Mm. now this is gold because she comes up and offers me the tea and I get to say what I see again and say oh you know you brought me a pretend cup of tea and it dawned on me my gosh she's playing inside the rules you know so I was able to name that strength and just said that wow you found a way to play tea party inside the rules Mm -hmm. and she beamed oh my gosh this is like the transformation of a child who believed she was a rule breaker into like recognizing she is a rule follower Mm -hmm. you know provided her needs are met she of course she would be you know Mm -hmm. so it it shifted her her perception of herself and she spent the next hour and this really tickled me no end she went from child to child teaching them how to follow the rules of whatever game they were 
I mean, it is no joke that the power that we have in a moment, and it comes from that, it's all from that first moment of getting present, of yeah. listening, saying what you see, just being there with the child with no judgment, no questions, no teaching, no fixing. You're just there to be with them. So I, I like to share that story because it has all the elements so quickly, and the transformation is profound, you know, and that is what we have the privilege of being able to do for our children day in and day out. Yeah. You know, when we Remember to start with that moment of connection, you know, and it's exactly what you teach. This is a yeah, well, simple model for it. Yeah, it really aligns with the underlying philosophy of positive discipline is Adlerian theory, which is behavior is based on the needs of belonging and significance. And you taking the time to say what you see, connecting like you said, the, the, you know, children feel seen and heard and valued. And that's, you know, that's all of it. And foundation, and, and, you know, what that does is increases the likelihood that they're going, that their behavior is going to show up as cooperative contributing behavior. Right. And that, I mean, that's, and I, I always give that disclaimer. All we can do is increase the likelihood, you know, there's still all <laughs> sorts of other things that come into play, but, you know, showing up that way in relationship, I think is really so encouraging and validating and helpful, right? Helpful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love yeah. helpful. And, and when you go in and you're, you're, you see yourself as like this role, this role that I have, and it's actually not a new role. Parents mm -hmm. already have it. They're already their children's life coach. Sure. They're helping. Absolutely. You already are. So you're already shaping your child's view of self, others, and the world. Mm -hmm. You are. Absolutely. In every interaction, right? And you're passing on invisibly your own, yeah. you know, in that mix and they'll take what they'll take and they'll change it and they'll rebel against it or they'll follow it or whatever. But, you know, we are already in that role. So it's not a new role. So, you know, my suggestion is like, my gosh, you know, if you're already their life, your child's life coach, you might as well get good at it, you know, yeah. it makes it easier for you and yes. make it easier for the child, you know, in these simple three steps, honest to goodness, you know, I didn't take any outside training to be a life coach, but by using these, I became one. I mean, mm -hmm. it's like crazy how how effective I can be and how quickly with a, with adults, children, any anybody, any age, anywhere. Same model, same approach, same same coaching style. So yeah. it's it's very powerful. So if just by doing this while you're raising your children, guess what? You're going to become a really effective life coach, and not only just for others, but for yourself. Yeah, this works for us too. Say what you see to yourself. Yeah, you know when when you're upset about something, and I use the language of you. You know, my say what you see, it starts with the words you, you know, mm -hmm. get you out of yourself over there with the other child will also put you up into your greater self talking to your regular self. Yeah. And you talk to yourself by you, it gives you a little distance. Sure. And you can allow yourself to be and feel all of those things. Yeah. So, you know, it's the, the you know, you're feeling really mad right now. You know, you feel really put upon. Nobody's helping you. You know, that's how it feels. You just hate that. You wish somebody would help you. And you're in there going, yeah, you get it. You know? I mean, you have these conversations with yourself and boy, does that ever feel fulfilling. Yeah. And and, and when you get yourself heard, you automatically move back to the next level, back towards who you really are, yeah. which is that wonderful emotional state of peace and joy and oneness with the world and powerfulness and all that stuff. That's our normal state. Yeah. And th those, uh, oh, go ahead. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm not a brain scientist, um, but I imagine, what I imagine happening when we start to pay attention and become an outside observer, I feel like that is, as soon as we take that step from being really ticked off to 
noticing ourselves being really ticked off, I feel like there must be in the brain movement from that emotional place into the logical place. I mean, I can't prove that. <laughs> I'm not a brain well, scientist, will. but I'm, I'm somebody knows somebody knows the science behind that, but it just seems logical that, and, 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 and every time we come into our prefrontal cortex, we're that much closer to being self-regulated, being, having perspective, having empathy, having a broader, you know, I just said perspective, but it just makes sense. So today, Sandy, Mm -hmm. what we're going to talk about is every parent's favorite (laughs) challenge, which is whining. And, and, you know, the very first thing I do in parenting classes is we make a list of all the behaviors that are driving parents crazy in their homes that happen on a regular basis. And never, ever once, parents or teachers, never once have I made this list with them and not had whining on the list. Or or if they've forgotten, I'll say, oh, wow, is this a group where nobody has kids that whine? And then everybody collectively is like, oh, yeah, the whining, you know? So it's super common. It's really annoying. It's a big trigger for parents. Um, and the, and you have a couple great articles, which listeners, I will absolutely have in the show notes for you to read. And you talk about whining as the result of powerlessness or perceived helplessness. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, absolutely. And to preface that, um, my, one of my other simple models is that I took those needs and they're probably, you could go back to Ed Larian or whatever. I didn't study all of that, but you know, what I, what I noticed and was able to, to boil things down to was these three basic needs. And it's a really cool way to look at it and have access to it and recognize it in your children's actions. But it's, I look at them as experience. That's kind of this, I got this body. What can I do with it? I have to do things that are sensory. I have to have every emotion that I can possibly have. I'm here to experience myself fully as a human. Children need that experience in order to grow into the full version of themselves, right? That you've got to have mastery over that and experience along the way. So experience is an absolute need, really huge for younger, younger children. Um, The second one I talk about is connection, which is one that most people are familiar with now. And that is the being understood, feeling like you belong, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and all of that. So we bring connection every time we say what you see. We're meeting that need immediately. And that is the one huge one that we've been talking about with relationship. Well, the other one that is is more downplayed, but I'm finding it to be one of the most critical pieces is to be able to recognize that your child actually has a need for power, and so do you. Oh, yeah. Right. So the need for power, those three, experience, connection, and power, give you, is it like a new tool that you can use to go, what is going on in front of me? What, what if, you know, if one or more of those is happening, you know, you will see evidence of it. And the other thing that I always add, because the direction I come from, from the life coaching, is that, that everything is already there. And that truly, this one can surprise some people, but I come from a solid grounding in everything's perfect as it is. So that no matter what's happening in front of you, there's something right about it, something perfect about it. And in all of my work, we're bringing out what's right about it and relating to things through there. Instead of the the other side, which is what's wrong about it, let's fix it. We go straight to what's right about it. We remove the resistance to anything and to the point that it's total acceptance and then you move forward naturally, right? Mm-hmm. So all of my work is about that. So, so these three basic needs give you this way to look at it and oh, the, the part about making about how it's right is that not only are these the three basic needs and you can see them when they're showing up in your children when the needs rise, they also, children don't just sit there with those needs. 
children are already, the second they begin to show up, children are already in action meeting their own needs. So it's not like that burden is on us. It actually shouldn't be. We're there to, again, provide the environment or a structure around them so that they can meet their own needs. That's not anything we can do for someone else. Mm -hmm. So we're there supporting them in meeting their own needs, and it's a really good mind shift for, for parents to get into, that that's can not I, your job. Can I pause mm -hmm. you really quick? So Please I want to just yeah. I want to just make a distinction, too. Um, and mm -hmm. I love everything already being perfect. We have, you know, I have mm -hmm. one mentor who yeah. her... Little mantra is already we're already always whole. And another yeah, little mantra always. that I learned uh, in my life coach training was that every human is whole, creative, and resourceful. And go. I appreciate that. And so when you say everything is right and perfect as it is, what's mm -hmm. coming to mind to me, and I because I I love I love when I'm teaching a class and I'm offering something, and I know I can feel like people are having all sorts of like thoughts. And so I like to be transparent and say, so I'm guessing that some of you that are listening are thinking to yourself, what the hell is this lady talking about? My kid is out of control. I'm in constant power struggle with them. But what I'm hearing you say, Sandy, is everything is right. Meaning kids who don't feel like they have a lot of power or control in the home environment are going to show up in power struggle. So it makes perfect sense that that's the behavior that they're, that's, that's how I'm making sense of what you're saying. And, but will you kind of dig into that? Because as kids get older and challenges feel stickier, that's not a good word. Challenges feel yes, more personal. Challenges feel messier. And so I just really want to make sure that the listeners are hearing, because I hear, I understand what you're saying. I want them to recognize that what is happening right now is perfect for this moment. And, mm -hmm. you know, there are ways of, of meeting, of intersecting with your child in the moment that is forwarding for everyone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely true. And and like I said, that's why I, I, I kind of give you this angle into it. There's always something right about it. Okay. Okay. And that's an easier way than saying like, oh my gosh, everything's perfect when you're looking at it and going, nothing is perfect right. about this, right? Yeah. Because okay. I, I do work with a great deal of perfectionists because that's where I came from. Mm -hmm. And that's why this is such a revolutionary transformational thought to have your brain suddenly shift from there's nothing right about it, you know, to Oh my gosh, it's perfect as it is. How could that be? Mm -hmm. It leads you into that inquiry. And going through the neutral zone of objectivity is how you get there. In a power struggle, what I would say is not just that, that, of course, and it is, it's very logical that this would show up as a power struggle, but here's why. Because that power struggle is occurring because your child is trying to meet their own need for power. Mm -hmm. That's what you want to understand. It's already happening when you look at that and you see a child who is, is fighting with somebody else or trying to, you know, take over your boundary and create their own, right? What they are desperately trying to do is create an experience that feels powerful to mm -hmm. them to meet their own need. Sure. Right? So in 100, it's 100% 100 a positive thing that they are trying to do. It's right for them to meet their need for power. It, it is absolutely perfect that they would try to meet their need for power. Of course they would. And we haven't been taught to see it that way. You know, so, so to, to get back and really understand that it is the right thing for them to do. Now, here's the deal. You come back to, to my, it's a heart model, that I, the way that I frame these three things. And those boundaries of do I like it or do I not like it are how you decide what to do next. Not is it right or wrong that your child is doing this. 
that, mm -hmm. that locks you away in judgment and, you know, takes you away from the moment, heats you up and does all kinds of things, is to get back down to the realization that every, all of your guidance comes from, do I like this or not? Right. Is this how I want it or not? Right? Sure. You have to really learn to hone in on that inside of you. So if you're in a power struggle and you're going, I don't like this, you know? And this is, but I get, you know, like, and the, these are not the thoughts you have in the moment. You use the tools in the moment. But if you look at it in hindsight, you look at it and go, my gosh, he was just trying to meet his need for power. He was trying to decide what the boundary would be. And he was also trying to control me. Both of those things would work. Of course, they would work to meet his need for power. They would mm -hmm. be right and perfect. And I don't like them. Mm -hmm. Right. So here we come. I get to set a boundary. Right? right. I just get to set a boundary and go, oh, you know, I can see that you want this and this and, and you don't like what I said, you know, and this is how it is. Right. Mm -hmm. That's how it is. Must be something we can do if I'm going to negotiate or must be something you can do to, to get that need met or get that thing that you want in a way that's OK with me. There must be. Right. And I'm on their side. Yeah. How can we do that? Let me work with you on that. You know, and that's a coaching approach. I'm yeah. validating what they always validate what a child wants when there's a boundary struggle. Go straight to what they want. Validate what they want. That's where the resistance is coming. They're sure that, that the reason that they can't have it is because you don't understand what they want. So we drop back down to say what you see. We're back into that, that very first premise. And it is that everything children say and do is a communication. And they must continue to communicate till heard. And I and think that there's, filters yeah, huge. and I think that there's also room here and impor an important piece here, especially with power, which man, how quick did we move out of whining? We were going to talk, <laughs> my bad too, but, right back. but, um, I think that especially with power when, and this is from my own personal parenting experience, cause we dabble in power struggles is when I, it's an opportunity for me to go inward and to recognize that I have been the one that is calling all the shots. And so first it's like, God, what is wrong with him? Why is he being so difficult? And then I think, ah, let's take a look at how I've been showing up. Yeah, I've been showing up pretty controlling myself. And so then I own it with my kids. I notice, and it's, and it's similar. It does. It, I think it does fit in this. I'm noticing that we are in a lot of conflict. And when I really am honest, I also recognize that I've done a lot of the decision-making over the last couple of weeks. I'm wondering what your experience is. And typically it's met with, yeah, you've been really bossy. <laughs> and then we talk about like, okay, so where are some places where we can look for choices or we can share power, um, yep. you know, so that's kind of, that's the power struggle. Because I do think that sometimes I, I, I don't, you know, I want to make sure too that parents understand that I think this is a great place where we were talking before about like my perspective being right and their perspective being wrong. I think we can easily slide into I'm the adult. These are the boundaries. You get to live with it. You're the child. I mean, and if that's your, if that's your style, you know, more power to you, good luck. And I would invite you, if you're finding that that is met with a lot of resistance to draw forth from your child, like, like you said, what are some things that would be helpful right now? How could this work for you? What can we do together? How can we shift together so that we're both feeling seen and heard and connected? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep, must be something we can do, and there, that keeps the possibilities. 
Can you imagine growing up with that? And I've got so many, many kids that even by age two or, th- or three, when they start talking, they're in this mindset because their parents are working with them this way. So great. They'll come up and say, well, it must be something we can do, you know, and they'll work with their little sister and say, you know, like, you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to push the water out of the tub, you know, it must be something you can do and you'll hear it out of a <laughs> yeah. three-year-old. Do you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing how this is child language. Yeah. We're down so at great. their level, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So, and the power struggle thing will come up for us because we have unmet needs for power yeah right? so if you find yourself that being go way back. Or bossy <laughs> and they do it came from our perception of, of our childhood yeah. and all of that so then then that's again that's you to recognize first make yourself right of course i would be bossy right now i need to control everything in my sight so that i can feel powerful again yeah. you know and turn around and find something you can control go go control the laundry you know whatever but you know it's it's the same thing with our kids they're all right and and perfect needs you know they are their needs, they're real. Yeah. You know, so when you find yourself making one wrong, mm-hmm. then that's your journey back into your personal growth. Go back and look mm-hmm. at why you think that's wrong to feel powerless. Where'd that come from? And that takes us again back to the the whining we were going to talk about because yeah. a big piece of when children whine is when they feel powerless. Right. You know, if they are sure that they can't get you to hear what they want or act on it, it a lot of kids it falls into the acting on it because they haven't experienced validation of just us understanding what they want enough so you know if if getting something is proof oh my gosh if they don't get it they're sure we don't understand right so they come to us you know kids we can train them up into this whining state by not listening right Right. if we are not responsive to what they want and we don't validate how important what they want is to them then your children will escalate into the whines because again you can use this one simple principle they must continue to communicate until they're heard Mm. so if a child has something they want which is the core of any being what we like what we love is who we are it's our unique expression what we want is an outgrowth of that and it guides us through life like my gosh, life coaching, we want to strengthen that want muscle in our kids. Mm. That is the most important thing for them because that's where all of their guidance will come from through life. Mm-hmm. It comes from what you want. It's your it's your key to motivation. It's your key to your dreams. You know, so we really want to 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 help children harness that power and, and recognize and be really good at wanting and recognizing what that is. So so that you want them to identify that and you want them to be able to speak it. Right. So if you have a child who's used to saying, well, I, you know, I want a cookie and, and is used to hearing, no, there's no way, you know, right. the child can't stop. It's like, you, you got to know this is really important to me, mom. You right. know, and it comes out like, but I want a cookie. You know, they can't not communicate. So in one sense, that continuing to communicate and whining, a shift for parents to look at, is it's a very brave step. It's very courageous because here's your child facing this absolute no. They're sure it's coming, but they still ask anyway. Yeah. Like, wow, you know what what persistence that shows. Our kids mm-hmm. are amazing in the face of all of the, the shutdowns that they may have experienced yeah. to be able to come back and continue. So you want to remember that and go, my gosh, that shows persistence. I need to bring that out in other ways. Not <laughs> Versus way. like, oh, my gosh. If they ask me that again, I'm going to go berserk. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play, and we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. 
you get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist, and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness, and I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder, and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better. Exactly. Yeah, but, but you don't want it asked like that in that way. So, so the way to interact with it, all I do is I translate it. That's right. it. You know, like I get the communication because I know if I don't, that thing's going to escalate. Mm-hmm. And if I don't get it, the escalation will go from whining into crying. And if there's, there's a powerless feeling in there, it will go into anger, mm-hmm. you know, and then off we go and we're into tantrums and all that because I didn't hear it, you know. Right. So it's so, so easy to engage in children and just diffuse it immediately by listening, right. you know, and you might have to train them a little bit because if they're used to you not responding to what they want, you know, they won't believe it at first. You know, and so when they say the thing about, you know, I, the, the toast, somebody cuts toast and, and it's all cut into triangles and you give it to the child because they said, I want my toast, my toast cut into triangles and you took this time and you did it and you put it down and you got a million other things to do. And then they go, ah, it's all cut up. And you're like, what? You know, like, like you, you told me to cut it up, you know, and you can't put it back together, you know. So the parent is having a, a power drop at that moment, not knowing what to do, thinking they need to fix it and all that. But, but you ditch all that by just saying what you see. It's just, oh, no, match the child's emotion. Oh, no, it's all cut up and you don't want it that way. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. That's yeah. all you say, you know. And then the child starts to to de-escalate and goes, no, you know, instead of the escalation, you right, can hear right, this right. up and down, right. depending on whether you make them right or whether you make them wrong. And, you know, and so making them right, getting them back down to how awful that is to have to sit there and look at those pieces all cut up when you really don't want it that way and you just want it some other way, you know? And when you say that enough where they get that you get how important that cut up was, yes. a lot of kids will automatically shift and go, well, it's okay. I'll just kind of eat yes. this, you know? Or, or you'll stay with them a minute and you go, man, I, it must be some way that, that we can do something about that, you know. Right. And if you've got a creative child, if they're still in that zone, then they'll start to say, well, I, you know, I could get some toothpicks and stick it together. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I can mush the little edges together, you know. Man, you know, now if I said that coming in as a fix, that would not work. Right. That would yes. totally not work. You have to come in and allow that stuff to come from the child. So it's the say what you see piece that shifts the whining in a heartbeat if it's over something the child wants and the other side if we did have a minute would be the side of if you know they might want a thing and that's that's either okay with you or it's not okay with you but but the thing that really activates parents a lot is when the child wants help and we're sure they don't need it right 
And that's the thing that really activates our whole history of, you know, being helpless and having people tell us that it was not okay to be helpless. And so we're still fighting that battle inside. And when that helpless shows up out in front of us, right, rather than recognizing this, oh, whoops, there's another flag, I, something else I need to work on, right. must be okay with being helpless that I missed, right? we react to it, right? You can react very quickly. So you can either, you know, you can turn around and say what you see for yourself a minute and go, I just hate that. You know, I just, I want him to do exactly what he wants to do. Yes, you do. You really want him to do it. Okay. All right, good. Now I'm back again and I can turn back around and I can be there for a second if I say what I see to myself first. Or if you're used to the saying what you see and it just comes out, it can come out with like, you know, shoes is the one that a lot of kids, you know, get stuck on, you know, they can't get their shoes on and you know, they know how to put their shoes on. They put them on yesterday for heaven's sakes, right? If you say that stuff, it'll get worse. They'll escalate even more. Yeah. It's not what it's about, you know? Yeah. And it, it's, it's about one of two things. It's either about, they, they really are feeling just too flustered and just, you know, overwhelmed about life at the moment. And that shoe seems like the biggest thing on earth, which I'm familiar with, because I promise you up and down, I cannot unload the dishwasher at night. Can't do it. I can only do that in the morning. It's nothing at the evening. I can't touch that thing, you know? So, so kids have their ups and downs too, right? So you're either dealing with a child who's feeling completely overwhelmed and really like in the moment can't do it, like no joke, you know, and just needs your help and doesn't know they can ask or the child who just wants something from you and feels like they haven't been able to get it. So they're going to try to control you and get you over there, you know, but either way, you're going to have this reaction to it. So just saying what you see cut straight through, get you down to the core of it. And you just say like, oh, you know, and the child's probably telling you, so you can go straight to the one. You want help with that. You know, that just looks really hard for you today. I'm not going to go in and tell them how they know how to do it and all that stuff. All I need to do is validate right where they are and they rise to the next level, back to their normal self of complete, you know, fulfilled experience, connection, and power. So they're great when they're in that zone. So I just need to say what I see and kind of facilitate that and let them get back there. And if the child comes back to you with the shoes and goes, yeah, I just can't even, I don't even know what to do, you know, and then you can look at them and, and just say, oh, that's terrible and we got to go and you got no shoes you know, you need to be there for a second, you know, oh man, there must be something you can do. Now there's a million options. You can either like pack them up or take them with you or whatever. There's a lot of things you can do with shoes. You don't have to fight about it. But if you allow the child to be in that space and feel what they feel for a second, you'll see the child picking up one and trying. It's like, man, turn the whole thing around. And then all you do from that point forward is say what they're doing right, you know, towards that goal. You can say, well, there it is. You got the shoe in your hand. There's a step, right? And then you say, oh, well, you know your foot. Yeah, it goes in toe first. You didn't try to put your heel in first. You know how to get that shoe on based on what they're doing, right? Mm -hmm. So you're helping them rebuild their confidence by bringing them to become present to what they're actually doing and, and moving out of that state of overwhelm. So that's, that's a pretty cool thing. You can use show me if you have a child who's, who's at the point of being ready to problem solve. Show me is a great one. Well, show, show me what the hard part is. Mm -hmm. And they'll take it out and they'll show you that little Velcro is, you know, that's the thing that's the hard part. And you go, wow, look at all that other stuff you were able to do. And we're down to just this one thing. That's the hard thing. That's what you want help yeah. with. Child will go ahead and latch that thing and you go, oh, wow, you didn't even need my help. Look at you. You know how to do that. And they walk off fine. Yeah. Right? So it brings the connection. It meets their need for power. All of that. To me, the most important way to get out of your head into the moment was my mantra, say what you see. It was just say what you just yeah. get it out. Even if it comes out like you want help right now and I'm really busy, you know, <laughs> like even if it, it doesn't have to sound nice. Positive parenting is not sounding nice. Yeah. Thank you. Authentic. Yeah. Yeah. It's Authentic. Be you. authentic and allow your children to be authentic. That's yeah. what I love that. And I think that's so important because I 
feel as though positive discipline, positive parenting, you know, is often uh, seen as permissive and it's not, it's, there's a firmness piece there Be, that we, you know, there's a firmness piece there and it's the limit setting, it's the boundaries, you know, it's not never saying no and, you know, bending over backwards for your kid. And, and what I'm hearing you talk about Sandy too, with the say what you see. And, and I hear you saying, you know, that, that first step in listening and hearing your child and not only that, but also making it clear to your child that you hear them. That's what it is. Yeah. That's why and I, I say really, yeah, I really appreciate that because again, I think that's, and, and I'm going to reference Dan Siegel, who I love, and he talks about, you know, connecting with the down, he calls it the downstairs brain and the upstairs brain and the downstairs brain is the emotional brain and the upstairs brain is the logical part of the brain. And it's like we connect with the downstairs brain to make a bridge to the upstairs brain. Like once we can, and I've, you see it happen in your kids, right? When you can say, wow, you must be really frustrated right now. Or I'm wondering, I'm wondering if that made you really sad when that happened. And you see their whole little bodies just like, will relax because they feel seen and heard and validated regardless of our opinion around whether or not they need to feel that way. That is not what they need to know. All they most in that moment, they just need to be seen and heard and validated and know that their grown up is there with them. And um, so I really appreciate that. I really appreciate yeah. that. And um, one of the, let's see, where do I want to go now? So um, one of the things that I, and I'd love your opinion on this, something that I will coach parents around when they do have a child who's, you know, just kind of gotten into that habit of whiny, you know, and, and maybe it's not, you know, maybe it's just become the way that they sound, at least in the parent's mind, they don't like their tone when it might be whining or it might be you know, rude or whatever the language tone is, what I'll often coach parents around is simply restating the request or restating the statement in the way that they want to hear it. So I want a cookie and then I respond, can I have a cookie, please, mom? No judgment, no like, you need to say it like this or I can't, hear, you know, just like, can I have a cookie, please, mom? And then they say, sometimes they'll do a little, oh. Can I have a cookie, please, mom? And I just say, sure, you know, done, moving on, right? And so that's another thing that I, you know, it's just kind of short and sweet. And that's assuming that there isn't this underlying piece happening, just, you know, as a way to, you know, continue to model, teach, model, practice, you know, how to interact, interact in communication skills. What do you think about that as a tool for parents what, what as well? What you're doing, you're, it's in the guidance part. You know, what mm -hmm. you're doing is just modeling, you know, what it is that, that you want. You know, the, um, the, the thing is, that, again, if, if they're coming at you and it is a thing that you don't like, why you got the eye rolling was because your child was sure you understood. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and so that part wasn't acknowledged, right? Mm -hmm. so, so if you even want it to be more authentic, you know, you would need to say that. And right. you could even just, I mean, this is just a discussion at this point about the guidance. And they would say, you know, can I have a cookie? And you'd say, say, oh, you know, well, I, I don't really like it that way. I mean, I can, I can right. give my opinion at this point if sure. I'm going to teach the way that I like it. You know, this is what would work for me. Right. You know, sure. Like got that, it. you know, but I, you know, I get, I know you want a cookie. I totally got that. And this is what would work for me. 
Yeah. You know, so it's just like completing that communication a little bit so that that you're saying the unsaid, which is that I did understand what you said. You know? Right. And, and so otherwise the child can feel controlled if you just launch right into the correction. You know, yeah, so you yes, just want to yes. get that, that authentic piece in the middle if, if you, you know, if you want to have uh, have that go a little bit more smoothly. But, you know, ideally what what you would do if the child is coming up and complaining like, you know, you know, I want a cookie. You know, you get that kind of voice. Mm-hmm. Right. And with that kind of voice, then then you say, well, you really want that cookie. Yeah. You know, I want to do that first to match that thing to tell them that oh, that's like what's that. going to plus. Well, then guess what happens? See, this is where I think it's the most powerful. Because if you say that and you match it and they're understood and they'll go, yeah, I want a cookie. You're like, oh, wow, look at that. You already self-corrected your tone. You know, now you know that it's possible to interact with me in this way. You did that yourself, you know. Cool. So now that shows you're polite, right? There it is. You know, it's right there. So, so I love it when you can just come back with say what you see, child adjusts, and you can point that out as the strength so that they've just taught themselves. Because it's not like your child doesn't know that you don't like that way of asking or there's another way, right? right. So you want to put them in the situation where they're the one that moves into it, and it really sticks. Yeah. So when they get, they're the one, of course, I know what that is, and I know how to do that, and I'm, you know, I'm polite and all that stuff. I really am. Yeah. You know, I just, at the moment, I'm just feeling like really agitated, you know. But yeah. that, and the other thing about the authenticity with with the whine is like the an authentic statement to say to a child who is whining at you or complaining at you like that is that like you want something you don't think you can have, mm-hmm. you know, or you think I'll say no, right? Like start there. Boy, yeah. learning how to be authentic like that and say the unsaid shifts everything. Love it. So if I say you think I'll say no, I still have the choice of whether I am or not, mm-hmm. you know, but. It gets that piece out in the open, you know, you, that sounds like you think I'll say no. And they'll go, well, yeah, you never let me have, and then you can have the other conversations that's been hidden all this time, is that this child, and I'll get this too, the other thing about children that I realized from all this observation, was that in this present moment, children, once really is always, something happens once, it's always, they have adaptive brains, they are designed to do that, we're supposed to do that at that age, we still kind of do it, maybe three times is always to us, but, you know, but for kids, it's one, and so once is always, and not now is never, right, no joke. No, because physical presence, if my world is entire, entirely physical and, and it's not there, it is never. I mean, the emotional experience of never. So when the child comes back and says, well, I never get to, the only thing you need to know is once. At least once, that was the true experience for that child. They didn't mm-hmm. get it once. Mm-hmm. So I, I interpret that again and I can say that back and go, wow, so it feels like you never get to have this cookie or whatever you never do mm-hmm. that's really frustrating to feel like you like what you say what you ask for you never get now I can totally get why this is so upsetting for you yeah to me I was thinking it was just a cookie but to you it's like your life you never get what you want seriously yeah and the kids one well yeah you know but but when you validate it they're like well not really and they right. come back out and go well I just want, you know so then they shift right but you want to really presence that and make that okay for them to feel and think what they think and then it totally evaporates it's magical it's totally and that's again these are coaching skills and what yeah. you're teaching I would call them coaching skills yeah. because it's very different it's all about aligning with the child making them right helping them see themselves through their lens of greatness not through there's something wrong with you we got to fix it's always there's something right about what you're doing I don't know what it is at the moment but there is <laughs> you know, I keep I, telling myself that <laughs> and I go away and I can think about it and I can come back with a do-over when I get it yeah but you know for sure 
it's at least, very simply, at the very least, whatever they're doing is already meeting their need for experience, connection, and power. So it's a really mm-hmm. simple way to step in and start finding the greatness in every single behavior behind what's going on. You know, the other one is intentions. Intentions yeah. take you straight to the heart, straight, straight to their highest self is their intention. Yeah. You know, you didn't, you didn't mean to do that when a child has an accident is the best thing they can ever hear because yeah. that ties back to who they really are. Yeah. You know, you were trying to help and this fell over. You didn't mean for it to fall over. Ah, music to a kid's ears. Yeah. Instead of, you need to be more careful, right? Right. You know, like that. Sandy, I love this. I love all the places that it aligns with positive discipline. I love hearing, you know, slightly, a slightly different flavor for the same kind of concept. So, and I can talk to you all day. I'm looking at my little (laughs) timer. It's like, oh my gosh, how did 53 minutes already go by? Thank you so much. You are such a wise woman and so full of great information. Can you please tell the listeners where they can find and follow you? Like your Um, website and where you are on social media. Yeah, the website is languageoflistening.com, all one word. And um, on the social media, my Facebook is Language of Listening. That mm-hmm. one fits. I didn't really quite understand Twitter when I got on it. So it goes back to the title <laughs> of my There's a learning color curve. Oh, heavens. <laughs> and they wouldn't let you use hardly any letters at that time, you know. So so I had to really come up with something that was different. So it doesn't really match, but you will find me on Twitter at um, SWYS Paris. Okay. Okay, and that stands for the title of my book, which is Say What You See, which is what, you know, was ground, that's the main feature of what I taught and what mm-hmm. I'm really known for. Cool. So SWYS parents, you'll find me on Twitter. But pretty much I would say go to Facebook if you're a Facebook person, because all I do is I post on Facebook and, and it double posts to Twitter. Great. So, you know, that's how that works. But yeah, the, the, and the website, um, if I could say that what they will find there, and I really, really hope that, that your listeners uh, visit, because I've got a lot of free resources there. The most important one I think is you know that book that I pub- I put say what you see there on my website for you to read but it's in flipping book format it's a flash so you will have to read it from a computer mm-hmm. it doesn't work mobile mobile's really weird so you don't want to do that but it's mm-hmm. it's mobile the content is available if you really want to see what I teach this awesome. is the core of the how to of these three steps it's only 66 pages it can it can really give you some great coaching tools there and also I want to add that the website still isn't turned over completely from our parenting language into the coaching language mm-hmm. but I think you'll see immediately that that's what this is. It totally fits with coaching skills. Awesome. And in addition to that book that you can actually read there, uh, I offer an on my online training center where I've put a couple of the, the workshops that I've done. I've cut them down into little five-minute segments uh, consecutively with little notes and things in them. So it's a really great way to take one of my workshops uh, very inexpensively. At the moment, it's like $19.95 permanently, right? Awesome. So you get in there. You have all the time you want to look at it. You can refer back to it. It takes what I teach in the book to a little great depth gives you more example tons of examples in there gives you a little e-course there's q a area if you want to leave questions um a lot on my website great uh, that i and blog sure my blog as well and tons and tons in my blog i will make sure all of those links are in the show notes and so i have one question that i ask all my guests at the end and that question is what does joyful courage mean to you sandy Okay. And that was like, 
whoa, those two words together are so powerful. That's not the usual thing that I put with courage because I'm, I'm not a real risk taker, right? So, so I looked at that and went, whoa, joyful courage. Wait a minute, what is that? You know, but, but really courage comes up for me when I'm facing a challenge. Like that's mm -hmm. when it comes up. And if I'm facing a challenge, it's something I want, right? It really is. And so I'm facing this challenge of something I want, but I'm not sure I can do. So I love this phrase, the joyful courage, like can now serve as a reminder of what's on the other side. Oh. You know, when I tackle that challenge and I get through it, what's on the other side will be joy because I set that challenge there. It's set there for my own personal growth. And on the other side is always joy. So yeah, thank, thank you so much for this, this opportunity to share this with your listeners. Oh, I'm so glad that you came on. Thank you so much for taking the time and uh, I'll have to have you on again. Oh, I would love to come back. I really okay. would. And I, I just really appreciate the work that you do as the host, the way you're able to manage the car. And you're so flexible, Casey. Oh, I love this. Yeah, I, I, I think it's a great way to, to bring this information to, to parents. Thank you. Well, we'll see you next time. Great. Thank you. All right. Well, I know that there were some gems in there in that conversation. I know there's things that you're taking away. I would love to hear about them. So why don't you right now head on over to the Live and Love with Joyful Courage page and let me know what your favorite part of that conversation was with Sandra. I'm so happy that she took the time to come and talk to me about whining and really so much more. And if you're thinking, live in love with Joyful Courage Facebook page, what is she talking about? Yeah, it's my Facebook community. It's a closed group and you are welcome to join in. So just search for it in the little search bar on Facebook and you'll find us and I will accept you and you can be part of the conversation, the celebration, the support system and community that we're building over there. So, so exciting. I also want to let you know about a new offer that is coming down the pipes. And it's actually um, a summit, an online event, an online summit that I was invited to be a part of. And what it is, is it's um, a 21 day long summit featuring 21 of the world's leading experts in mindful parenting, including me. And it's already... Um, shaping up to be fantastic. So a couple of the things that speakers will be covering, peaceful parenting and the importance of connecting before correcting, why traditional education structures just don't work, and the options available to parents looking to help their children learn and grow in the best way possible, the secrets of guilt-free parenting, right? I'd like to lose some guilt, and creating the life and family you desire, understanding your child's developing brain to help you make better parenting choices and way more. And guess what? The coolest part about this program is that it's free. It's free. And especially since you've been um, a listener of the podcast, you will see in the show notes a link that will get you to the event and to registering for the event. And I think the way that it works is that each day you'll get a link to a video interview. So you have to register to save your seat um, and it's all free. There's no catch. So, but you do have to register. So look in the show notes and you will see that link, click on the link, register, and you'll um, start getting these 
emails with links towards these interviews, and it starts tomorrow. So if you're listening to the podcast the day that it began, or the day that I put it out, which is um, Tuesday, September 20th, go to the link. The summit actually starts tomorrow, and I believe you can sign up even as it's going on. So even if it's a a couple days into it, just click on that link in the show notes and find your way there. Super exciting. Shoot me an email if that's confusing at Casey at joyfulcourage.com, Casey at joyfulcourage.com. And shoot me an email if you have any feedback, any questions, if you have some thoughts about the podcast or guests that you'd like to see on here. If you have any connections to Brené Brown, <laughs> she's like my fantasy show guest. Hook me up, friends. I really want to get her on here and talk about wholehearted parenting. And I figure, hey, maybe Maybe somebody listening out there in podcast land could hook me up. Or um, what else can I tell you about? Just join the tribe on the Facebook group. I have a newsletter that you can get to through my website, joyfulcourage.com, where I also have online offers and a blog that I occasionally write on. But yeah, I'm here. I'm here to serve, and I'm super grateful that you are listening in. You can find the podcast on iTunes as well. So uh head on over to iTunes and you'll see if you search for Joyful Courage Parenting Podcast, I will pop up and there's a little purple button that says subscribe. If you subscribe to the podcast, you will get every show automatically each week when it becomes live. So subscribe. And if you super duper love the show, I would so appreciate a review. So head on over to iTunes and leave me a five-star review and talk about how impactful the show is for you, what you love about it. It'll help me increase my visibility and get my numbers up as far as listenership goes. So that would be a great way to um, pay me back for all this time that I'm spending offering up this great information for you. Big, huge love. Have a beautiful day. Enjoy your... Hello, you sentient ball of stardust. My name is Casey Davis. I'm a therapist and I'm an author of the book, How to Keep House While Drowning, where I talk about ways to make it a little bit easier to take care of yourself when you're overwhelmed, stressed, have mental health issues, physical health issues, or maybe you're just in a hard season of life. Maybe you're looking for a place that you can come and listen to some practical advice. This is a podcast for all of the self-help rejects. We're going to talk about skills for survival and self-kindness, and I'm going to leave the pop psychology at the door. I promise not to tell you to meditate or to journal. We're just going to give you some really insightful conversations with hopefully some practical advice. So I don't believe you need to pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I don't want you to just try harder, and I don't believe that laziness exists. So join me over on Struggle Care, where we can find compassionate solutions that help us function a little bit better.